0: Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Cindy Burnett.
1: And my name is Dr. Matthew Wurwood.
0: This is the Fueling Creativity in Education podcast.
1: On this show, we'll be talking about creativity topics and how they apply to the field of education.
0: We'll be speaking with scholars, educators, and resident experts about their work, challenges they face, and digging deeper into new and varying perspectives of creativity.
1: All with the goal to help fuel a more rich and informed discussion that provides teachers and parents with knowledge they can use at home or in the classroom.
0: So let's begin. So today we have a super deeper special episode because it is June. And in June in the United States, we celebrate Father's Day. And I thought it would be particularly special if I did a little interview with Matt, who runs Dads for Creativity and has had a blog and website based on Dads for Creativity for the last seven years? 10 oh,
1: years? yeah, about about 10 years. About yeah. 10
0: years. Mm-hmm. So In celebration of Father's Day, this is for both mothers, fathers, educators, anyone, community members, people who spend time with small children. But we're going to talk specifically about Dads for Creativity today. So I'm going to do a little interview with Matt. So, Matt, you have three boys. Can you tell us their ages, please?
1: So, yes, I have three boys. And at the moment, they are. um, And I am pausing because all of their birthdays have just passed. And they're all around, um, have the birthdays around the same time. So we have 11 we have five and we have eight.
0: Wow. So that must mean you are spending a lot of your time driving around and enjoying the their sports activities, arts activities?
1: Yeah, a, a bit of everything. And what's frustrating is I always... So, I mean, listen, it might have changed, but, you know, I'm from the UK and then I, I moved to the US about 15 years ago. And one of the things that, that I kind of observed even before I became a parent was was all of the different activities that, that children in the United States, at least within, within my network, had. And I was really surprised about all these different activities. And I always said uh, to my wife, we're not going to be one of those parents. And somehow we we've become th- those parents, and you're completely right. You know I, I tend to be almost like a bus driver Monday to Friday. And what's scary is the third child isn't really active yet. He just has soccer on Saturday morning. So you know depending on where his journey is going to take him, the the idea of us having to be three places at on one time is is overwhelming right now. And I hope I'm still a few years away from that.
0: So Matt, what made you start dance for creativity?
1: First of all, I enjoy making things. I think I enjoy making things, you know, for you know, digital technology and I certainly had, had created some kind of like, you know, simple websites and I saw an opportunity to 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 blog and I actually had a, an education blog called teachdigital.org which was really about me talking about education technology and project-based learning and and stuff that I was doing in the workplace. But one of the things was it kind of like felt like too much like work for me, but I also recognized that I enjoyed writing. I felt like it was like a creative outlet for me. Whether or not I was good at it or not was actually irrelevant. It was it was about me and and me trying to express my ideas and thoughts on the page. And so I also noted that blogging was a really good way for me to actually improve my writing, to be more uh, succinct and um, articulate my ideas in in 300 and 400 words, as well as learn a little bit about, you know, uh, Google Analytics and and social media marketing in an effort to kind of like promote the blog. So I kind of said to myself, I want to continue blogging, but I want to blog about something that I really enjoy. So I was really into creativity. Uh, you know, um, as as we know, right? <laughs> and I said to myself, right, well, why not do a creativity blog? And I said, yeah, but that's still going to feel a little bit too much like work. And I said to myself, well, what about if we think about how we might apply creativity to something? And then suddenly, I said to myself, wait, no, I actually want to do a parent blog. Now, at the time, what I was noticing is a lot of the parent blogs online typically were mummy blogs. And I said to myself, there's not enough daddy blogs. And and I think we're in a good place. Things are changing. But I was very sensitive to the idea that, you know, as parents, you know fathers particularly, we, we need to do more to be more present in the role of parenting, you know, because it, it is, you know, uh, an equal task. It's 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 equally challenging. We, we both mothers and fathers have things that we can offer our child. It's a partnership. I mean, I think many of the listeners can, can connect with what I'm talking about. And so I said to myself, you know what, more fathers should be articulating their thoughts and ideas and feelings and emotions about the many wonderful things of being a father, but also many of the challenges as well. So I loved the idea of doing a parent's blog. And then, of course, I made the connection about creativity. So it really came from wanting to blog, wanting to kind of like improve my writing and and have a creative outlet, and then blogging about something that was kind of like somewhat work related, which I enjoyed creativity, but then blogging about something that I loved, which was was parenting and being a father. And so Dads for Creativity was, was born.
0: So what are some of the surprising things that you've discovered over the last 10 years in writing about this?
1: One, if I'm honest with you, and I say this delicately, without meaning to, I probably have blogged more about one child than the other child. And so I'm being very open and honest. I think it might be to do with the way that I'm kind of like perceiving creativity in my home environment, right? So, you know, my eldest child is probably doing the activities that I might typically associate with creative expression and creative activity. I think also there's a a piece about the fact that I started the blog when it was just my eldest. And so I've naturally always been writing about him and his development. But I think that's something that I've noticed is... Maybe finding it a little bit easier to observe and recognize creativity in one of my children over the others. And I'm still processing that. Um, But I think that's one of the, the discoveries that I've made the other thing is is just how m- much i can write about i mean unfortunately with with all of the different things that we've got going on you know i i did get to a point where i was right producing a blog once every couple of weeks um and getting some good traction on the blog now you know i kind of like you know go through phases of of doing a few blog posts over a two month period and then might not blog for a few months but you know, there's so many different things that we can blog about when it comes to creativity in the home environment. And and I'm never, ever short of ideas. But I think the idea of me choosing what I'm writing and what I'm focusing on is in some ways uncovering how I'm actually observing creativity in my environment. And therefore, am I potentially missing certain creative potential in my other children. So maybe it's a little bit about my biases on how I view creativity and notice creativity is perhaps the thing that I'm, I'm noticing the, the most at the moment.
0: What advice would you give to parents out there listening or caregivers or educators who are listening to this in terms of enhancing creative potential of the children in your life?
1: Well, I think it it builds on to what I've just said. We're in it, we're fortunate in our current society where we are being tasked with thinking about you know our own perspectives and how our unique backgrounds shape how we view the world and view other people in the world, and therefore. You know, checking our biases is something that I recognise is really important in a parent. So, for example, I've shared on 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 the show, Cindy. You know, one of my boys has expressed an interest in a particular career path, even though I I've never actually thought about career paths, and I work really hard not to think about career paths. When that when my youngest expressed an interest. I had this feeling that it was conflicting with something that I've thought about even though I didn't necessarily think about anything and so it was really it was a really fascinating experience and so again it comes back to me talking about you know what we're choosing to see and observe and write about is is to a certain extent you know our biases are, are influencing that so I think the most important thing is is one be aware of, you know check our own parental biases I think that's really really important and to give you a really obvious example I'm from the UK. I have a favorite EPL team. My kids support that EPL team. They're not they're not really exposed to other EPL teams. I didn't really give them an opportunity to consider supporting another EPL team. Number 1. Number 2, when it comes to sports, they have really only been exposed to soccer. And my middle child is really into soccer, but what I find fascinating is every single time I go to, you know, uh, a school event or I go to somebody's birthday party, people say to me that he has an amazing arm. And I I note it, and I've started to notice how often it's said, but I'm not doing anything with it because I'm like, I don't know anything about baseball, for example, and I'm not comfortable with with him playing football. But what that does mean is that I continue to expose him to, to soccer. I continue to facilitate his interest in soccer. I continue to promote him playing soccer. But, of course, what if... His true calling is baseball, for example. I'm not exposing him to that. Now, listen, we're not super parents, so we can't actually expose them to every single sport. But that analogy, that sports analogy, hopefully people are connecting with just the bigger picture is that we have to be mindful of how our biases and our background and what we're into and what we know is going to influence what they're exposed to and to a certain extent, the creative behaviors that they pursue, um, at least in in the early years.
0: And can you tell us a little bit more about the resources you have on your website that parents can go to, to learn
1: more? So first of all, I have links to our podcast, which I think is probably the coolest thing. (laughs) (laughs) um the the second thing what i have is i i have um a page that kind of like just offers some context around what is creativity but but focus very much around creativity from a parenting perspective so it talks a little bit about you know the definition of creativity social context and and then you know really thinks about, okay, well, how does that apply to parenting? Um, the other thing that I'm playing around with is the idea of kind of like parental rules. And, you know, I, I it, it's, it's kind of like a working page, and I'm very open on the website about the fact that this is a working page. But when we set rules, for example, we, we, we've spoken a lot about being original. We've spoken a lot about being open, you know, and exposing our children to a lot. But we've got to be mindful that we're also trying to keep our children safe. Right. And so, you know, take the personality trait out of the five-factor model, openness to new experiences, for example. You know, there are there are kind of like some relationship to that personality trait, openness to new experiences that, you know, as parents, we might not be comfortable with. But at the same time, we also know that openness to new experiences has a relationship with certain creative pursuits later in life as well. And so, you know, as we set up these rules for our children – you know, to what extent are we influencing their creative potential as well because of those parental rules? So these are some things that I'm thinking about. So in terms of resources, it's also, you know, a resource into questions that I have about parenting that I can't always answer. And then the other piece of it is, you know, I I have organized blog posts into kind of like tags and stuff. So, you know, if you're interested in doing movie making, I've done, you know, my kids again, parent bias, right? I know, you know, making movies and reasonably comfortable put putting together movies on my uh, mobile device and my kids can edit and, and, and produce movies and so we've we've got a YouTube channel um that we we kind of play around with but I do you know you could go and search for articles around movie making you can search for articles around education technology so you know the the blog posts themselves also serve as resources and you can organize and access um, some of the blog posts by tapping on the tags
0: Fantastic. Well, Matt, happy Father's Day.
1: Thank you so much. And, and happy Father's Day to all of the, the fathers celebrating uh, this month. And I will point out, Cindy, that also um, in the UK, not unlike Mother's Day, uh, the UK shares the same Father's Day as the United States. So happy Father's Day.
0: And this concludes this episode, this very special episode of the Feeling Creativity in Education podcast. I'm Dr. Cindy Burnett.
1: And my name is Dr. Matthew Wurwood.
0: This podcast was produced by Creativity and Education and in partnership with dadsforcreativity.com. Our editor is Sina Yousafzadeh.